This is Quit, a podcast about change, the challenges of improving your career, making tough decisions, starting something awesome, and potentially even kicking your corporate stooge job to the curb. I'm Dan Benjamin. Today is Friday, because it's always Friday somewhere. It's January 8, 2016. Happy New Year, Hattie Happy Cook. New Happy New Year. New Year to you. Or is this our second show in the New Year? No, this is our first. We did one on December 23rd, on December 31st, on New Year's Eve. That's when we did our last show. So this is the first quit of the new year. Of the new year. And uh, last episode, we did an episode uh, focused on all of my trips to traveling. And we called it Travel Part 1. We're not doing Travel Part 2 today. This is not Travel Part 2. That will come later. I'm still doing some research into some of the details for that show. And it's taking a while. I think I was still sick when we did that uh, on New yeah, Year's. Yeah, you sounded not great. I didn't sound great. I sound good now. No thanks to our first sponsor, Olbus Natural <laughs> Inhalers. <laughs> I they're, wish they were a sponsor. They're not aware that they're sponsoring. And, but they are. And they haven't given us any money. I'll put them in the show notes. Put them in the show notes as a sponsor. No, what no, would happen no, if we did I that? I don't think you I can do that. I always wondered about that. Like, what if you put Target as your sponsor and you did a full read and everything? Well, I know, and I've talked about this on the <laughs> podcast method, the show that I do helping people make better podcasts. But I've talked about using affiliate links and affiliate uh, relationships as sponsors. They typically don't mind that. But let me tell you a little bit about Olbus. <laughs> Seriously, Olbus, O-L-B-A-S. These are you ever seen the Vix inhaler, Patty? Yes. Where you it's a little I love it. tube, <laughs> and has a little hole at the end. Yes, and uh, you, I don't want to get too you know it's a kid friendly show, but you insert there are children listening. We know that you now. In, you insert this gently into the end of your nostril. Plug the they other don't jam nostril. Jam it up in there. It doesn't have to go too deep, <laughs> and you. Plug the other nostril and you gently <laughs> inhale through the inhaler, and then you do the same thing on the other side. And it's wonderful. It serves to mine. sort of open your nasal passages if they've been clogged from a cold or during a cold or some other kind of upper respiratory infection. But the problem with a VIX inhaler is apparently they can be either physically or psychologically addictive, or perhaps both. And they also cause something called rebound. Rebound means even after whatever the problem is with your uh, upper respiratory system that has healed, that you, your body then becomes somewhat dependent on this thing to, to keep your nasal passages open. And when you stop using it, your symptoms, that is congestion and other things, rebound. But the Olbus inhaler, you're not supposed to rebound. Why am I talking about this? Because it's wonderful. (laughs) Well, yes, but also it leads me into our bigger discussion. And I have a topic for today. And this topic came about because, Hattie, you and I were discussing the old old notion of if if it ain't broke, don't don't fix fix it. it. And I forget what our original topic was, but we the chicken place, the chicken place, and we we it led I'll into a conversation out. of new Coke, yes, versus classic Coke, a story that everybody knows, and I will summarize it very quickly. 
but it's something that I think all of us can learn from. And I'll also reference John C. Dvorak and Adam Curry and their comments about their show, No Agenda, in a response that John had to doing a show that was more about tech and why they wouldn't do that. But I'll get to these different points. It's very interesting. The story, the way New Coke goes and what New Coke is. And, I, you know, Hattie, I think there might be people in our audience who don't, who yeah, don't if, actually know what New Coke like, what is. What are you talking and, about New Coke? Do you th- is that possible? Yes. I'm not entirely familiar with it. All right. In the spring of 1985, which I remember fondly that year, Coca-Cola launched a huge marketing campaign. Huge. And the reason that they wanted to try something new and do something new was because their main beverage, which was just called Coca-Cola or Coke, had been losing ground to Pepsi. They were losing ground. And you know, back in those days, they used to have these commercials and they would do this stuff in shopping malls and stuff. And they would, Coke or Pepsi or whatever, would do blind taste tests so that you would go up to the, a little booth that they had set up in a shopping mall in your local mall. And they would have these little cups set up. And they would say, here's three or four different samples. Try them. And you would try them, and they'd say, which one's your favorite? And you'd say, number three. And they'd say, it's Pepsi. Did you know it was Pepsi? <laughs> Surprise. Well, Pepsi is, maybe always has been a little bit sweeter than Coke. And I guess somehow Coca-Cola came to a conclusion that people liked Pepsi because it was sweeter or whatever. So they threw out their beverage threw it away and said the coke that you know that's been around since gosh i guess coca-cola i'm looking at my notes here it was introduced in 1886 1886 is when they came out with that's coke. crazy so they threw out what had essentially been this flavor that they'd had all these years <laughs> And introduced something called New Coke in April of 1985. And they came up with tons of marketing for it. They had a can that looked different, a big new going across the front of it. And people tried it. And guess what? They hated it. Universally disliked it. Because not only wasn't it the old Coke, which you couldn't get anymore, It wasn't as good as Pepsi either. It was just plain bad. It was not good. It's not like they made it taste like Pepsi, which is what people used to say. It just tasted like crap. It wasn't very good. It was terrible. And they took away the Coke that people loved. It was gone. You couldn't still get it. That's the problem. That's my problem. That is a big... If it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's right. You can add on, but never take away the love. It even says here in this uh, article I'm reading about it, it says, however... The American public's reaction to the change was negative, even hostile. Oh, my God. And the new cola was a major marketing failure. People freaked out. And I remember freaking out about this because I never was a big Coke drinker. But, like, that was the drink. The drink 
was Coca-Cola. It was, that was the original. That was what people wanted. That was the good drink that you always wanted to get. And it would go something like this. Mom, 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 can we please go to McDonald's? Can we please go to McDonald's? Can we please go to McDonald's? No. Can we please go to McDonald's? Please, 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 please. All right. This usually happened like once a week and usually on a Friday or Saturday. Can I please get a Coke? Can I please get a Coke? Can I please get a Coke? No, too much sugar. Please, 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 please. Just this once a week. Fine, you can get a Coke. Coke is a reward, you know. So it took three months for Coke to figure out that this was really a failure. (laughs) And then they released Coke's original formula alongside new Coke, which they then called Coca-Cola Classic. And then guess what happened? Huge surge in sales when they brought it back of Classic. Their whole brand did better because Coke now was back and it was back and it was better than ever. And you People love a comeback. People who didn't even get it before all of a sudden missed it when it was taken away and now they had to go and get it. It was so successful, in fact, that people have speculated that maybe the introduction of new Coke or crap Coke, maybe that should be the title, was a ploy, was just a marketing ploy. But Coca-Cola has always claimed that no, it was us just trying to replace our original product and we're, <laughs> we we're dumb. We're just dumb. <laughs> so, you know, are, are, is it a cover-up? Is it a conspiracy? I don't know. But New Coke was sold alongside of it and then eventually they got rid of the New Coke. And I'm not sure exactly how long it took for them to do that. But it was there for a little while and they kept it around. And then in, then they came out with something called Coke 2. We apparently had so much Coke that we had to sell it off in Canada. <laughs> we had too much Coke? Yeah. The new Coke. Because no one wanted it. But they had they renamed it Coke 2 and sold it out there. Coke 2. But long story short, this has been held up many, many, many years for more than 20 years now, 30 years, as sort of a cautionary tale. This is exactly what you should not do. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And this is always something I was surprised about back then is that, well, if you, why not just introduce it as a new thing? Why not come out and say, you know, Coke, here's a new flavor of Coke. Well, they do that now all right, the time. Right, and they test it, and then if it's horrendous, they just dissipate it. Into right. The, it would never existed. <laughs> why, why not allow this new flavor that you've introduced to become more popular and eventually to just, okay, great, if it's selling 10,000 times more than the other one, then maybe you just continue the other one. But unless that's happening, you've got to keep making both. Why replace? It's crazy. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. So then you've got a situation here at the chicken place. Now, we're, we've been big fans of the chicken place for a long time. A long time. Loyal to the chicken place, eating at the chicken place frequently. I love the chicken place. Loved. So what happened? We went there unsuspecting, like morons. 
thinking we'd go there and order some food. Hattie, what happened? And me? I was and expecting, remember, you know, I had already planned out my order, and I was like, mm, it's going to taste so good. Yeah. And then we walk in, I'm like, wait a minute. What was different? The menu not only has different items on it, it's now two TVs instead of <laughs> right instead a of printed a, menu. a printed menu on a and sign. Like, uh, <laughs> they uh, got a TVs. Oh, that's not good, right? Not good. I'm why, like, what? Mm-hmm. Now pause, pause. Why would a television set with a menu on it strike, strike fear. fear into your heart? <laughs> what is it about that that makes you? Because I felt it too. Yeah. Well, I was what? Like, what oh, was no. it? Can you put your finger? I think I can. But can you put your finger on what exactly it is about? The, the the menu being on a TV screen that we didn't like. It felt like somebody with money was like, came in and was like, you know what cool restaurants have? Menus on TVs. And you know what? I'm not just stopping there. I'm going to change everything. And yeah. that's what someone did. I agree with you. I think there's something about it being on a TV that's very sort of, not sports bar-ish, but there's something about it. But that's not the main thing that I have with it, the problem that I have with it. The problem that I have with it is something about it being on a TV makes me think that it is temporary. That oh. that that it, the fact that it's on a TV screen means they can easily, maybe too easily, come in and change it. Yeah. So there are restaurants here in the great uh, city of Austin that change their menu seasonally. And... But they're upfront about it. Uh, foreign and domestic is a good example of that. Get it? Get it now. We're only going to have these fresh beets, right. r- ruby beets, because th- they're in season only this part of the year. Right. And and you may get them in fall, and then in the winter menu, it comes out. It's different. I think this is interesting for small restaurants. I think it's fun. The chefs get to master different dishes and prepare them, and, and it keeps, keeps things people coming back because they love the menu itself. I mean, they love the right. the restaurant itself, and they're like, well. What else can you do? It's not just the same stuff over and over. Right. And maybe there's certain dishes that will transcend their seasonal menu and they'll always sort of have them. But they'll change based on, so it'll be like, it's goat with corn and beets. But in the summertime, since there's no beets now, we're going to do something else. Like uh, roasted um, cashews or something. You know, like it's always something different. Seems reasonable to do that. However, when you get into a restaurant that's like a chain, the whole point of a chain is that you want us uh you want a similar experience at every one of them in fact that's what makes a chain great a wonderful example of this is cracker barrel oh cracker barrel i can't tell you how many long driving trips that i've taken in my life but there is one constant especially in the southeastern united states one constant is you know you will always find cracker barrel and you also know that the experience at Cracker Barrel will be identical to the experience you had at the last one. And you know what? Pretty much they're all pretty good experiences. There isn't a bad I, that I found. There has never been a bad Cracker Barrel. I'm sure there's a bad Cracker Barrel somewhere out there. But my experiences have always been pretty much identical. The food is the same. The service is the same. It looks the same. They're all the same level of uh, upkeep, cleanliness. They have the same fun gift shop that you can walk around through there. There's stuff for adults and kids. They had a great idea a number of years back and uh, with, with audiobooks where you could go there and you could pick up a cassette tape 
of an audiobook that they had there and you would pay for it uh and then you would you would listen to it and then perhaps on your return trip or perhaps a couple states over you would go to the next cracker barrel that you decided to eat at and bring it back in and return it to them and so that way instead of paying for a purchase price you would pay for like a rental price and i don't know that's so cool what it would, it could, you know you might pay 10 15 bucks for like a book on tape and you just and return you it at the it next forever. cracker barrel yeah that's awesome really fun and of course it gets you to go back in it's a great yeah. marketing idea uh cracker barrels are good in that way consistent experience consistent food and i'm not saying it's like the best food but you know what you're going to get when you say i'm going to cracker barrel I'm going to get those pancakes or I'm going to get that hamburger or whatever it is You're that you want to get. To it. You know what it is. And you know that also you can try other things and that if you like it, you can get that again and it will be the same. And it will be the same in Florida and Alabama and wherever. Smart. Real smart. McDonald's has made its fortune by being consistent. Nobody will say McDonald's is the best burger I ever had in my life. No. But you will say McDonald's hamburgers are the same at every McDonald's across the whole world. When KFC. I was in South Korea, I ate at KFC and at McDonald's and they were identical. <laughs> yeah. I ate at a Bennigan's in South Korea. And it, I have to tell you. I ate at TGI Fridays, I think like in the Berlin airport or oh, yeah? something. 100% the same. Right. Everything was caught like, you know, they're like, what's ranch dressing? But it said ranch right there and you could order it. They didn't know what it was, right. but that's what you order and you can get it. <laughs> but it's not available anywhere else in the city. It's so funny. And they had, you know, they when I walked into that Bennigan's in South Korea, and I'm pretty sure it was in Seoul. When I walked into it, it we I was back. I was, for all intents and purposes, I was back on American soil. Right. I mean, it, they were playing regular Bennigan's music. It looked like Bennigan's. Everything was, <laughs> the menus were the same. Everything was the same. The only thing different was like they had a bunch of uh, Korean people working there. So if you, <laughs> right. it, just imagine if but you in went. in the same uniform. Right. If you went to your local Bennigan's and everybody who worked there was Korean, that's what this was like. Otherwise, it was Bennigan's. Again, that consistent experience. I think over there, it was a novelty to they them. Like it was that, almost, yeah. you know, it'd be like if, if we were to go to Epcot Center and go to like, the you know little belgium that they have there it would be like oh look look oh, they so have cute. right i think that's what it was like they felt like they were on a a, a tour of america which they were <laughs> in a bennigan but it's that kind of consistency that guarantees that positive experience so this chicken place not only did they put tv screens up with a menu on it that would have been okay i guess if it but was they the same changed menu. the whole menu, even yeah. their signature tacos and dishes that they made. They kept they, the same names, but changed what they were on a fundamental level. Right. For example, give, give me some examples. Um, okay. So I usually got the one called the Border Town, which was, wasn't it usually uh, Esquitas with, which is like a roasted corn um, and then... What else was on there? I don't think Some that rice and I don't know. Else. It, that doesn't matter. But what you're saying is they fundamentally changed it. So right. before there's no it, corn anywhere near that taco. <laughs> now there's bell peppers on it and chorizo. And right. I'm like, none of these things Completely were different thing. anywhere near that taco. If you walked into a McDonald's and said, I want a Big Mac and they gave you a fish fillet, a fish fillet and a chicken fillet on a whole wheat piece of toast, 
It's not what it used right, to be. Like, nah. It's a completely <laughs> different thing. Now we can't. We and you know what we said? We said, all right, let's try it. Let's try it. I'll try. Right, we gave it. A I'll try a, a few of these new things. Not good. Not good. To the point where, if I was Off-putting. a new customer, if I was a new customer going in there ordering something for the first time, I would ask myself this question while we were there: Would I have liked it? Would I have liked it if I had no knowledge of what it used to be? Right. This is the first time I've heard of this restaurant. And and because that's how I treated the, some of these new tacos that we tried, I did not like them. And no. I did get one of the older tacos that had the name that had been changed, and I didn't like that one either. Me neither. I'm done with the place now. Except for the rotisserie chicken. They do chicken, have a good so rotisserie funny. chicken. But that's because you can't change that unless you come <laughs> in and it's like a pork <laughs> we loin or something. Even though we're called the chicken place, we're selling pork now. Yeah, it's it was so it was such a letdown. And, you know, it just... And then I went in the other night and they're like, oh, we're out of rotisserie chickens. And I was like, <laughs> what? And they're like, oh... The place, the, our, the, our south location, their thing broke and they came in and stole our chickens. And I was like, I can't even get a chicken now? Yeah, I mean, it's but it's it's weird because this thing seems to happen. We saw another restaurant close. I think we talked about it on the show, Fork and Taco, closed down. We can also talk about Elevation, too. Elevation Burger also closed down. And these are places that when we went there, they were moderately busy, sometimes very busy. Yep. In fact, I'd been to Fork and Taco where they were completely absolutely packed multiple times there were always people in there let's just say that like there were always people in there it just shows that i don't i don't understand the restaurant business i don't know what it takes to have a successful restaurant i don't know why they close i don't know how they get money in the first place there's a place right near our office here that used to be called peony and then now it's called koya but then there's another sign underneath it that says Yoshi's. Right, the and old I'm signs so are still confused. up. You know, again, like this turnover that you see with restaurants happening all the time. You have to be able to execute in such a way with a restaurant to make it successful. All of this comes back, I think, to to our lives. And let me kind of bring this back to to our lives, our businesses, and things that uh, that we're doing by saying, you know, and I think a, a good example of this in the tech space is that company uh is it is it called jelly is that the yeah. name of it jelly this company called jelly it was an app and i think it lives at uh, jelly.co and I'll, I'll put a link to this in the show notes show notes are going to be at five by five dot tv slash quit slash 83 jelly helpful answers for busy people ask jelly when you don't have time to sift through search results and you don't want to ask your friends so they recently had a blog post uh, that uh, came out on January 7th of 2016. Again, this is important because I know that future generations will still be listening to this show. And they, the uh, TLDR version is, we launched Jelly in 2014 to help folks get answers to questions. We're returning to our original vision with renewed enthusiasm and an entirely new approach. Well, the concept of the site is, is is interesting. It's that you can ask a question, and when you ask that question, real people will answer it. So instead of going to Google and trying to Google for something, maybe you would do that, and then you would get a a more a trickier problem or a problem that's more specific that you need specific answers to. You could ask it, and then people would find this question, and they're sort of rewarded uh, for for answering the question, and they they went in a different direction with this and then they've now returned 
to do it the original way again. Now that's interesting because it's what they're calling in the article an unpivot. It's oh yeah, <laughs> like they're going back to the way that that they originally wanted to do it, retracing their steps back to the original idea. Now, why do people change? Why did Mighty Fine change? Mighty Bird. Mighty Bird. Mighty Fine. They're fine. They're the same. If they changed, if Mighty Fine Burgers changes, deep depression. Forget it. Mighty Bird, the chicken place. Why did they change? Well, people are very eager to grow. I think they. Yes, they are. And they get. They feel like they're being stagnant if they don't change or that they're going to be left behind. Do you think that that's it? Do you think that they said, you know what? We've been making these same tacos day in, day out for two years or whatever. We we need to shake things up. Was that it? I guess. um, But then look at the the new Coke situation. Why not introduce some new tacos? Let them become the popular ones and say, wow. And have people begging for them. We sold a hundred of these new tacos and only four of the old ones. It doesn't even make sense to keep doing the old ones. Let's take them off the menu right. and just do the new ones now. Or switch it and make the old ones the specials. And then if people want them, they can come in and during that. They were doing a thing called an, Taco Do an off-menu thing. Right. Oh, like Torchy's does. Secret, the secret, secret menu. menu. Um, but the they were doing a thing called Taco of the Month. And so it would be like a really specialty taco. And they would only do it for the, the full month. And mm-hmm. it would change each month. Those were never ones that I ever got. I didn't like the ones with the, the one of the cabbage was the only one that I liked. You know, all of their new ones are like those tacos in the month. I agree. Where they're not appealing in the same way. And that's why I think that I don't I'm not gravitating to those at all because it doesn't it doesn't feel like Mighty Bird. Anymore. Right. It doesn't feel like the, the restaurant that we knew. It's a new place. Now, that's fine. But so I ask myself, why would you change something if it was working? Why, you know, we've, we've had shows on 5x5 that have worked and worked very well. We've had other shows that have not worked. And when I say not worked, I mean, maybe they didn't make enough money to justify keep doing them. Maybe they, audience never grew to the point where it made sense to keep doing it. But for one reason or another, we put them in the not successful category or a successful show like the frequency. And then we would reboot that constantly because we felt we were getting stale. Right. And we needed a change, you know? So I think, you know, I think it comes down to that. Either, either the people who are creating want to change, but I'll tell you what, if I'm doing something, and this brings me to the John C. Dvorak, Adam Curry comments about their show, no agenda. Great show. Brings me back to that to this comment, this article that John C. Dvorak wrote, and I'm paraphrasing. He said, "Our show, no agenda. That is our main thing. We're because it works, and because it is growing, and because it is successful. My his this is him speaking. My response to that is to invest more time in it, to do more to make it better." to improve it in every possible way that I can, not to start something new, not to try something else, not to do something different, but to do what I am doing in a way that is successful, to make it better, to improve it, to invest not some, not all, but even more energy into this thing to continue to make it better and better and better and better. Because if it's 
if it exists now and it's working and it's growing and the more time and money and energy and effort that I put into it, the more it returns and the bigger it grows, why would I do anything but that? I have a friend who has started several different websites, some of them tremendous successes, some of them not so much of a success. And you'd think they would be. You would think they would be because based on like the look, he's and got the a formula, and, and he's yeah. got a thing. But sometimes they wouldn't work. He got to the point where he's like, "Forget, I'm not even going to do these other sites anymore. It's not worth it. I'm going to invest all my energy into just making the existing sites I have the best they can be and make them better." And and uh, not that he ever lost sight of of that, which I don't think he did, but just it doesn't it doesn't even pay to start something else if the thing that you have is working and growing. And even I guess if that, it rewards you. Even if it rewards and you, makes you to, feel to try like something else. I'm doing something different. I'm right. not stagnant. I'm changing my game up. I, you, I, you can't pin me down, you know? Right. So am I telling people with ideas, freelance businesses, businesses, don't do anything new? N- not at all. But what I'm saying is you can still get that creative feeling and creative outlet, I think, by pushing yourself within the context of that thing that is working. So what what does that mean? Maybe bring some of those ideas that you want and bring them back into that big thing that's already working. Add something to it. See if that works. Change it up a little bit, but don't change the things that are what fundamentally draw people to it in the first place. Why are people coming? They like the thing that you're doing. If you change it and make it about something different, or if you change the format of it, if it's a podcast, or if you change, you know, you may look at a website that you built and you're like, I just don't like the way this thing looks anymore. I'm sick of it. We need to redesign. Redesign is a poison of a website because a lot of the time you're not redesigning Based on studies and A-B testing and things that you've actually done, you're just bored. You know, a real redesign needs to come about because you've seen usage patterns of the site. You've discovered things about the way people are engaging with your site. And you've said, this is how people are using the site and how they want to use the site. And these are the things that not many people are doing or using So even though I might want them to use those things, or even though I might think this, that, and the other thing is important, what's really important is this, because this is how people want it. So we've done A-B testing. We've done all kinds of different uh, different experiments. Where their eyes go to the site, the header, right, all that stuff. And we've figured out ways to make it better. And when we do it, we're going to do it, and we're going to do it as gradually as possible, and we're going to watch the response to it. Right. You know what? Not a total redesign, because this is what, No. And you know what? That brings up uh, a really interesting point in, in my mind is logo redesign. So if you take uh, somebody like Wendy's or Jack in the Box, they have stayed true to their original lo- logos and just slowly updated each year or every couple of years to the point where it's almost like you don't even notice where you're like, Oh my gosh, that used to be the Wendy's logo? Like, I can't believe that. (laughs) And now you're like, I I get it. It's just an updated, nicer version. That is is the way to do it. They're staying true to their original thing, yet updating it at the same time. Right. Um, uh, Things that have done full redesigns where I feel like the the response was 
negative is when people completely go away from their original thing. Like, remember when the new Walmart logo came out? People right. were like, whoa, what's happening? It's horrible. And then everybody kind of just accepted that that's the Walmart logo now. Um, and it's weird because I feel like people were not in love with the Walmart logo, but as soon as you change it, now people's opinions come out. <laughs> yep. It's... Why is that? Because like no they're, they're responding there. to the change, right? They're responding to... People hate change. To, yes. And, that, and, and, and that, that was my next big topic. Thank you for saying it. People do hate change. Even when it seems like uh, things are not as good as they could be, people are going to respond even more negatively because it's the people... Uh, who complain about things that you hear. You hear the complaints. You don't hear the people who are perfectly content with things just as they are. And that's almost always the the large majority of people. People were not complaining. Man, I re- Coke sucks. I wish it'd make it sweeter and taste like Pepsi. Now, sales were declining. Coke interpreted that as people going to Pepsi. And Pepsi's sales were increasing. But that doesn't mean that they wanted Coke to change. Or they wanted, right. They it didn't meant want Coke they wanted to taste something like Pepsi. like Pepsi also. So if you were, if Coke was smart, they would have said, you know what? People seem to like this Pepsi thing. Let's make something extra, a new thing that's called Coke Sweet. And, right. <laughs> you know, or whatever. And, and we'll introduce that and see if it sells. Why did the chicken place not introduce? some of these new tacos on the menu and see how they are. They did, you mentioned the taco of the month thing that they were doing. If the taco of the month things weren't blockbuster hits and, Why, it, and yeah. on the first of the new month, people came back and, and furious that that taco just got taken off the menu. They want last month's taco of the month. Why can't you make that anymore? Why do I have to try this new one? Try the new one. Okay, I'll try it. Whoa, that's really good, but I still want the old one too. You know what? It had such a positive response. We put it on the menu for good. Now we're making this taco. And you know what? This old taco that people never really wanted, we're just going to take that off. And we're going to put the taco of the month that everyone liked so much on there. And that's how you change your menu organically. The way you're talking about changing a logo. Slowly. Stick with your main thing. Slowly. And just clean up the edges. Had one sponsor this week or two? One. Last time it was four sponsors or something. That's because it's the end of the year and you skipped like five of them. All I'm saying is I want four sponsors every week now. (laughs) Squarespace. You know what? That's all I should have to say. In 2016, <laughs> in 2016, I should say the word Squarespace, and you know, that's the whole ad spot. You know what it is. You know what it is. Then, you know where to go, and you know what promo code to use. Thanks very much, Squarespace, for supporting this show. But I don't think they would like that. No. Now, Squarespace is an example of a company that has released changes. And it's funny. I was talking to Merlin on Back to Work about this uh, earlier in the week when uh, they sponsored that show, I believe. And he was saying, you know what? I still have websites running versions of Squarespace from several versions back. I think it's Squarespace 5. They're up to Squarespace 7 now. And I love 7. They keep getting better. But when they don't take away something that works. Right. Because think of it like this. If you're Merlin Mann and you've got a site that's running perfectly. You don't want to change it. And it works it. for you. It looks good. It works good. It Everything's works good. Merlin. Works for Merlin. <laughs> if it's fine for Merlin, then why change it? They are still 
letting him use it, and he has not done anything special. He just didn't upgrade it. He can still use the version that he likes. I've been telling him he should upgrade it, and he knows what Squarespace 7 has to offer. There's a whole lot there. He's got sites, I think, running in that. I upgraded all my stuff to 7, but I did it gradually, and I did it slowly, and I actually signed up for a trial of 7 first just so I could become familiar with it because I have the free trial, so I signed up with that. Now, I guess seven's a year old now. Feels like it's almost a year old. They're always making improvements. They're always uh, updating it. They're always fixing things that are, you know, uh, bugs and whatever that could could be be better. better. And that's the other thing. Working on... Progressive improvement. Progressive enhancement. Instead of just change. Right. They're very, very, very good at that. And Squarespace, basically, you want to make a beautiful website, a blog, an online store, a place to... Put your music, if you're a musician, your photographs, if you're a photographer. You want to, you get married? Yeah? Cool. Go there. Do like your whole wedding website there. Then you can put your photographs up around it. it. Like everything is so easy. And you start with one of their templates and you just customize the thing by sliding dials and clicking things. You don't have to know any HTML or CSS. You can make the thing look, it's beautiful. And no matter what you do, like you can't break it the site will always render perfectly on every computer in every browser on every device, Android, iOS, iPad, iPad Pro, it doesn't matter. It's going to look beautiful and amazing wherever you go. Like you can't mess your site up. Makes e-commerce stuff so easy. I want you to go and check this out. Here's the deal. You don't even have to give them a credit card to go try it out. Go to squarespace.com slash quit. Squarespace.com slash quit and use the offer code quit to get 10% off your first purchase. That'll take you down to eight bucks a month. And you even get a free domain name if you sign up for a year. Couldn't be better than that. Go check them out. Thanks very much to Squarespace for supporting this show. Squarespace.com slash quit. Promo code is quit. You know, but that's what I'm talking about, Hattie. That's what I'm talking about. Making these kinds of changes that people don't, they don't care for. They don't want. They don't need. And you go and you say, we're going to redo our whole menu. That's bad. Your menu can't be, if there's, if anyone is ever coming into the restaurant, it can't be a complete failure. If you're looking (laughs) at your website and you're like, we're going to redesign it. Why are you going to redesign it? Is the reason that you're redesigning it because you know factually that the way people are using it doesn't work with the current website design, the way people want to use it. Or they're struggling with the way they're using it. And you've monitored that and you have facts to prove that to you. If the answer is no, don't change it incrementally slowly add well we built this thing in php and we want to redo it in rails great redo it in rails and make it work as much as you can like the older version that already existed oh we want to switch from expression engine to drupal okay cool make it work and look and function exactly as much like the old one as you can and then slowly incrementally add little features you know People often forget that. They get bored, so they think that their audience is bored. They get bored, so they think that their listeners are bored. Their customers are bored. But what we like are for things in general, we really like for certain things to stay the same. You could say, well, that doesn't really hold true, Dan. Why is there a new iPhone every year? Well, there are a lot of people who didn't want to upgrade to the new iPhone. There's a lot of people who, look at look at the iPad. We have the, the iPad as a whole, struggling, if you will, compared to their other products, for sure, plateauing and even maybe declining. 
because people get an iPad and they keep it for years and years. They look at the new one. They say, it's not really much there for me. I don't think I need to go and get a new iPad right now. The old one is fine. That's a weird analogy to make. And let me clarify it. I really think that where people are going, they want new stuff, but they don't want the stuff that provides them with a certain level of comfort to change. And think about how much negative hostility there was toward Apple when they went from iOS 6 to iOS 7. Now, for the record, iOS 7 was horrible. iOS 8, less horrible. iOS 9, pretty good. And I wouldn't want to go back to iOS 6 now at this point. But that change from iOS 6 to iOS 7 was was huge, jarring. But they had to do it because they wanted to create these this new infrastructure, this new foundation for people to use. Well, also, their their business is based on change. They have to change or they will get left behind. And they have to keep innovating. They have to keep pushing. Like, a logo, that's not, like, your business isn't going to explode if you don't redo your website. But for Apple, if they don't improve this, then they're sunk. So there is a demand. In other words, if I'm understanding you correctly, Hattie, what you're saying is there is an external demand, pressure, if you will, not just from perhaps consumers who want the next big thing, the next new thing, but also from their competitors who are pushing the envelope and innovating, also from their shareholders who are demanding uh, a a quarter that outdoes their last quarter, if that's even possible. Yeah, I I think that there are these demands, there are these pressures, and maybe the chicken place was looking at its revenue and it was seeing plateaued revenue or declining revenue. And they said, how can we change this? Because again, there are plenty of cheesesteak restaurants in downtown Philadelphia right now that have been making the same cheesesteaks for uh, 50 years more using the same ingredients, the same kind of beef, the same cheese, the same bread day after day, year after year. And the lines are around the block and it's not just tourists. It's people who live there. It's people who like those cheesesteaks. It's people who want to go and get them. The barbecue places that we've got here, these trucks, they stay pretty consistent. Pretty consistently busy. And they're not changing anything. They're not adding anything new. They're doing what they do. And they're doing everything that they can do to make it the best that they can make it. But if I went out to the barbecue today and ate lunch there, and it was different from the last time, even if maybe arguably it could be better in some way, if it was different, I'd say, okay, that was different. Right. And if I went there again next time and it was different again... I'm no longer going to say, oh, they're continuously improving it. I'm going to say they're changing it and they don't know their soul. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Why is it so inconsistent? Look at Rudy's. Rudy's known, known as, I think uh, there's a joke they call Rudy's barbecue, the worst barbecue in Texas. But what they, they're not the worst. Uh, but they are, they are a chain. And they have a formula. And again, back to what we were saying about Cracker Barrel. Any Rudy's that you go to is going to be the same exact thing as any other Rudy's. It's indistinguishable. The sodas are going to be in the same order and right. the little things. Yep. Everything is the right. same. Right. All the same. And you may, you may not be able to say Rudy's is the best barbecue in Texas, but it is by far the most consistent and it's, it's all around. So you know exactly what you're going to get. And there's a tremendous value. Do you want to go try this other restaurant? Might be good, might be bad. Or do you want to try this one that you know will work? Now, I was talking to a friend of mine who is a podcaster. I was telling him about my 
uh, the new podcast platform that we've built that we're about to release, Unleash. Because it's a beast. It's a, it has a life of its own. Yeah. We're not going to release it. We're going to unleash it. Take it off its chains. Right. And uh, it's called Fireside. And it's a platform that essentially is a a version of what what I built since 2009 for 5x5 five five, turned into a something that is a, a product that anyone can sign up for and use. We beefed it up. They've got all kinds of uh, statistics, analytics, and hosting, and all of that stuff, uh, and, and it's really pretty and, and nice. And, and anyway, this thing is coming out. And I was talking to my friend about this, and I was telling him about it, and I said, does, does this sound interesting? He says, yes, but I'll, I'll never switch to it. And I said, well, n- never is, that's an, a strong word. Right. So there were two interesting points to this. I asked him, why would you never switch? And he says, because I'm, I'm used to this one. It works the way I want it to work. I know it, and I know it's going to be there forever. It's been there, and it'll stay there, and I'm not going to switch. Even, even if yours is better, even if yours has some features that I want, I'll never switch. So again, out of this, two things kind of bubbled to the surface. One of them was, never is a very strong word to use because you don't really know what the future entails. You don't really know. It also shows a certain stubbornness that I like things the way they are. I don't want them to change. I'm going to stay right here. The implication being, one, you're in your comfort zone, and if it ain't broke for you, don't fix it. So for him, what he has right now was not broke. So he doesn't need to fix it by using this new thing. He even if feel it like seems better. Missing. Right. It's working for him. Merlin using two, three versions back of Squarespace. It's not broke. I don't need the new hotness. Right. I just need it to work. And right now, this works. Okay. So that brought up one part of it. Um, is it less of a stubbornness and unwillingness to change and more of a confidence and comfort level with the thing that you have. Number one. Number two, what it showed me was that uh, that I think there are, and not just in the podcast hosting and analytics tracking space, but I think when it comes to any product out there, that there is that it's it, there is that comfort level. But the the second thing is that there is a a concern for somebody when you're introducing something new as to where you're going to get your customers, your clients, your users, your listeners from. We're very cognizant of that in the podcast space. Uh, I was talking to another friend of mine where uh, there there have been some uh, changes to the lineup of their show, let's say. Uh, Somebody who's on the show maybe isn't going to be doing the show. It's it's not a show that I'm on, so don't don't worry. (laughs) Don't freak out. (laughs) But they have a show where there's a number of people on the show. One of the people may be leaving. So they're at this, this decision point. Do we continue the show without that person? Right. They're actually at that crossroads of like, okay, we have a lot of options. Right. What do we do? Do we keep going? Do we do something new? Do we change it? It's that kind of a point where I think those decisions of what you do and how you use the tools that you use and everything else, those, it, it, people want to make that change all of a sudden. 
people might say, well, I have a new podcast and I won't move my old ones off this system that I'm using to this brand new thing. But you know what? For the new one, I'll try it. But it makes me as a business person wonder where are those new customers going to come from? As podcasters, if they walk away from their existing show and their existing audience, will they ever be able to get that back, especially in 2016? If they start a new show, yeah. uh, w- will they be able to bring that back? Because more than ever, there's too many podcasts. There's too many options. There's too many decisions and there's no clear winner. If you're into uh, gaming and video games, which of the 10 really great video game shows are you going to listen to? And if an 11th one pops up all of a sudden, how are you ever going to listen to that 10th, 11th show? You're not going to. Even if it has people that you like on it, you're going to say, I don't need that. I don't need another show about law. I don't need another show about technology. Why? Because I already have these that I listen to and I like them and I might listen to the new one, but you know what? I'm unwilling to invest in the new one. You know what? It's because the new one might not be consistent or the one that I like comes out every week and this is a biweekly or once a month or whatever. I don't want that, but I only have a limited amount of time of how much I can actually listen to. It's stuff. kind of like a friendship in a way or a relationship. It's like I've put my time into this and why would I go and take a chance on some new friend that might flake out on me that that might not ever you know tell me happy birthday you know or like things like that it's like i'm already invested in this and i've seen a return it's almost like sales too Mm -hmm. and i've seen a return so why would i go somewhere else right we see that with our again i want to make this a show about podcasting but we see that (laughs) with podcasting all the time where uh, a, you know, where there was a long, there was a long time, Hattie, where a five by five was one of the only, uh, only podcast networks around. And, and certainly we had a number of, especially in like the Apple and tech focused space, we had some pretty unbeatable shows for a long time. And then some other really talented people decided that they wanted to also do podcasts and people from public radio and NPR and things said, you know what, we're going to do podcasts. And now we've got actors, actresses, we've got scientists, we've got broadcasters, tech people, we've got everybody all doing podcasts, many of them great. So if you're a sponsor, where do you, where do you want to put your money? Do you want to put your money into the thing, the five by five shows, for example, that have always worked for you? Yes, you do want to do that because you know that they'll continue to work if they've worked in the past. But you know what? Grass is always greener. Well, what, if, what if I changed? What if I took a little money right. from there and then repurposed it just a little bit? Right. So instead of instead of spending 100% of your podcast advertising budget on uh, the five shows that work for you, what if, well, we'll do a little less with those five shows and we'll sample these other shows. And you know what? Eventually you'll find some other ones that work and then you'll start to balance things out more. Well, that's bad if you're a, a, you know, if you're a podcaster who needs to make a living and you're seeing that your sponsors are sponsoring not just only your show, but other shows too. But that's also life and it's also competition. And this goes back to John C. Dvorak's thing, which is invest in the thing that you're doing and make it better. Continue to push it. Continue to grow it. Continue to make it the best thing ever. My uh, One of my friends uh, always used to criticize me for doing too many shows. And I do m- many, many less now because of this, this philosophy that I've been putting in, into, into uh, practice in my own, my own life, my own business, which is you know focus on the things that are working and make them even better. He used to say, you're doing too much. And I said, well, I've, I've got to. 
He's like, you should really just do the things that you're doing and just make them better and stop doing so much. He said, you're almost overexposed. He's like, how many shows does David Letterman do? I said, well, yeah, but he's also paid like $20 million a year. So he only has to do one. He's like, right. But how are you ever going to get to your $20 million a year show? If you're doing 20 different shows, you should only be doing one thing. Well, it's easy to say if you're, David Letterman and you can make $20 million (laughs) a year. He doesn't need to do, but the, the, the message behind that is find the things that are working and throw yourself completely in an absolute energetic and committed way to those things. That doesn't mean don't start something new. It doesn't mean don't spend your time or effort on something new, but it means if there's something that's working, don't do something to jeopardize it. And And, don't fight it. And don't fight it and don't take time away from it to do something new that seems like a a gamble and seems like it might not work. And so the people who have full-time jobs are saying, wait a minute, how am I supposed to start my own dream business? How am I supposed to start this other thing if I don't take some time away from something else? And that is, a, the answer is there is no real answer to that. The answer is it's a risk. You're taking a risk. You're taking a, a gamble. Just know that it is a gamble. Know that it is a risk and know that if you lose customers or, uh, or, or listeners or sponsors or whatever, because you're neglecting that main thing, that you may never get those back. If you stop putting that kind of focus that your audience expects, that your listeners expect, that your customers expect on that thing that you're doing. That's going to make them nervous and they're not going to trust you. They're not going to trust that what you're doing. So, you know, applying that to myself, you just say, well, Dan, are you, are you doing less stuff with five by five so that you can launch fireside and, and make it awesome? The answer is absolutely yes. But the things that I stopped doing at five by five were the things that were not yielding the kinds of results. So what I did is I took the energy and effort away from those things that weren't being awesome, things that weren't having that success. And I stopped doing them completely. And that's what you need to do in your life. You need to look around and say, what are the things that I'm doing that are not successful? Can I save them? Can I make them successful? What if I tried to do to keep them on brand, on target? And if I can't save them, then you know what? Say goodbye, lighten your load and focus again on the things that are working and invest yourself completely a hundred percent in those things and making those things better. And once those things are really, 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 really great and you want to experiment with trying something new, do it, but not at the expense of your cash cow, not at the expense of the thing that works for you. How did you think we have time to do a quick uh, email? Yes. Before we wrap the show. Okay. Here's one that's been in my, in my queue that I must get to. Hi, Dan. I've recently started listening to quit from episode one. Woohoo! That's the right way to do it. I think this is largely inspired by my work situation, which has been troubling me lately. I work in the automotive industry outside Detroit, but not for an American company. 
I've been with this company for a little more than five years in two different positions. It's a relatively stable position with good pay and good benefits. It is, however, a corporate stooge job. I drive 30 plus minutes to work, sit in a cube with a four foot wall, and have my monitors facing an aisle where everyone walking by can see what I'm doing. Oh, man. My boss is great, really, but frequently we are tasked with fruitless busy work from people two to three levels above him. My issue is that I don't feel challenged in my current position. I'm good at my job, at least according to my performance reviews, but I feel like I am underutilizing my skills, knowledge, and abilities. I've asked for and been given more responsibility, but it ended up just being more of the same work. I spend most of my day bored out of my mind. Ultimately, my job is reading through data, sending this data to other people, and then asking them when they are going to fix whatever problem I found in the data. It's just not that interesting to me. Ideally, I want to find a job that involves hands-on work. I'm a former technician mechanic that has been retrained as a stooge and then allows me to use more of the problem-solving skills I have in my brain. To help this along, I'll be graduating in less than a month from a relatively reputable university here in Detroit with a Bachelor of Science degree in Engineering Technology. Unfortunately, I think there is a stigma attached to the technology part of that degree, and I'm not sure what my job prospects will be like with other companies. My degree is very focused and very related to the automotive industry, but I put a lot of thought into a developer bootcamp type thing. I think I would be good at coding based on my limited experience in school, some assembly and C, and the way I think my brain works. If not a bootcamp, I've considered teaching myself or pursuing an internet-based certificate. To further complicate things, my dad lives in Cincinnati about four hours from here and was diagnosed with lung cancer in the last two weeks. We still don't know how bad it is, but I really want to be closer than four hours away in case it gets really bad. Before my dad's diagnosis, we wanted to move away from Detroit, but Cincinnati was not our first choice. We is my wife and dog. We are 30 and without kids. My wife is a store manager of a grocery store chain and could probably get a job with the same chain in Cincinnati. I don't know if they would pay to relocate us, but I do know that we could pay our bills on our salary. We wouldn't be living as comfortably as we are now, but we could make it work. We also have a lot of family in the area, which is certain to help in some way. We have some debt, but again, nothing in my wife's salary couldn't cover if I were not working. I have four to five months of my salary saved up as well. My question then is, after all of this, somewhat simple. Should we consider moving to Cincinnati before I find a job? There are some automotive suppliers in the area, and I've been in contact with some recruiters, but I haven't had any callbacks or interviews. I think I could find something solid once I've graduated, and especially since I'm in the area. Beyond that, how far would you suggest I pursue the coding thing, given I will have extensive experience and a degree in a completely unrelated field? Thanks for your time, and especially for Quit, which has really helped me a lot. I know there's a lot going on in this email, but maybe you can steer me in the right direction. Leroy. Well, thanks, Leroy. That's a crazy email, and there's a lot. I've got his whole thing figured out 100%. Hit it. 100%. Ready to go. Serious. I know. I know you do. You're looking at me like maybe I'm not. (laughs) I don't have it. But I'm telling you. I know you do. I've got this. Now, Leroy. This is what I would do if I was in your situation. Not necessarily what you should do. You need to take this advice with a grain of salt. But this is maybe what I would do. I don't feel like there's anything good that could come out of your existing job except a paycheck. We're in a pretty good economy right now. You're going to have a pretty good degree that you could always use. You've got the experience you've got to fall back on. 
You've got the potential that you could do code. I think you're in a pretty good situation where if you took the risk of leaving this job, even without finding a new one, that uh, that e- e- things could work out for you. So if if it was me, I would say, like, this job, I hate it. I don't like what I'm doing. It's not rewarding. It's just a paycheck. I don't see a future for myself at this company. And to be honest, we don't really want to live in this city anymore. My wife could get transferred. I, I, I would take that risk if it was me. But here's the process and here's the order of how I want you to do things. And you're going to think it's weird, but this is what I want you to do. Actually, I take that back. This is what I would do. See, I got to be careful. Though. <laughs> yeah, you I have get to get sued or, or shot or something. <laughs> this is what I would do. I would say to my wife, honey, get a transfer to Cincinnati. See if you can do that because everything kind of hinges on that. See if she can get the transfer. If she can get a transfer over there. Right. Then enact your plan. And your plan Phase is. Phase one. Phase one. Well, it's all all one phase. <laughs> uh, she she goes and gets a transfer. You guys up and move. And uh, I know it's sad, but you'll have to you'll have to uh, get, have the dog sent to live with with someone else because no one wants to have a dog. <laughs> oh wait, Hattie, you're saying some people do want to have dogs. Yeah. All right, so he can keep the dog. Yeah, dog can stay. What I would do, I would put the dog up for adoption. Because it's, you know, you want to well, live out of your car. you wouldn't have a dog anyway. You want to live out of your car. You can't subject a dog to that. It's too cold. Right. It's for the dog. For the dog's right. sake. It has to be sent to live with your mom. Then take that four-month salary that you've saved up and do something crazy with it. Use it to pay off the debt or pay down the debt as much as possible. I don't know what, what he makes in a year. Let's assume, let's just for round numbers, you know, let's assume he's making 5K a month. And, and let's say that he's got five months saved up. That's 25 grand. We have debt, he says. We have some debt, but again, nothing in my wife's salary couldn't come. Get rid of the debt. Use that 25K that you've got, or a lot of it, and pay off the debt. That debt's going to hang over you. And if things go south for you for some reason, let's say your wife transfers and gets that job and the new place is terrible and she's got a terrible situation and she's got to get out of there and you haven't found a job yet and you've got to quit. Don't think to yourself, well, I'd rather have that money in the bank than I can do whatever I want with it. You need to get out of that debt. At least pay it down. I don't know how much debt you had, so you didn't tell me. Is it 10K? 15K? Is it 25K? Is it, is it student, like student loans? loans? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. If it's student loans, don't pay it off. But if it's like you just have like, you're carrying around 8K at credit card debt or something, get rid of it. Right. Student loans are all right. That's a different situation. But then you want to go and you, and you know, if she can do it, then you want to move. And be close to your family when you need to be close to your family, when they need help, when they need support. And find a better job there. Now, to your second issue, should you try coding? Should you do a boot camp? Should you get a certificate? As somebody who has hired lots of software developers and IT folks over the years, I've never, ever cared about or respected any kind of certificate from anywhere. That's me. I'm biased. 
the exception being like a Cisco certified engineer or a, a Microsoft certified network engineer, one of these things. And in those situations, it was like, we have 30 Windows NT servers. I need someone to manage them. This person has a certificate in these following things. Yes, we, we would use that as a criteria. Oh, we've got 30 Cisco routers. Yeah, I, w- I want someone who knows how to run them. This person has that and also five years of experience running Cisco routers. Okay, we'll hire that person. But I don't look at like a web design, web development. What I want to see as your pedigree is I want to see your GitHub repositories. I want to see your code. I want to see websites you've built. I want to see code you've written. I want to see production servers that are up and running. And I want to hear about how you built those things. That's what I need to look for. If you don't have that, now is the time to start building that. And I've told people this. This is when you got to start going. I know Detroit has meetups. Start going to the meetups. Start finding projects to work on. Start writing code and seeing if you really like it. Start getting those books or watching those online screencasts, watching them and learning. Learn and master that skill. And if you like it and you like it enough to do it after work or instead of work, then maybe it's a possible career for you. So go and do that. I think you should actually definitely consider it before getting a job if the current job is making you miserable and you're far away from your family and you have no support structure where you are and your wife can get transferred. Yeah. And you've got money in the bank. I feel like you can do it. You've got to get your wife's 100% buy-in. Yeah, she has to be okay with it. You can ask it your dog It sounds like too. she is. I mean, the dog can be, you know, put up for adoption or whatever. No. But as long as your wife is 100% on board, then I feel like you're you're in a good situation. What you want to do though is if thing if 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 you will be leaning on your wife and putting pressure on her to support you guys, then simply know, as Heidi would say, just know that you will at some point not only need to, but you should want to repay that. Right. That may be if and when you guys decide, decide to start a family. Maybe she wants to take several years off to be with the, the family uh, to help raise, you know, raise the kids when they're young. The flip side is she may want you to do that. And that's the way that you repay her. Whatever it is, I'm just saying that's one example Keep that in mind that you may want, you know, that you, you, you should want to repay that. It may also mean that at some point she gets fed up with her career and wants to quit and maybe even move again, that you'll have to entertain that. So just keep these things in mind. You've got to reciprocate that. But uh, long story short, I, I think I think it's doable. So that's, that's what I, I so would too. do. That's I what I would do. Not telling him what to do, but I want Leroy. I want you to uh, email us back in a couple months. Let me know what you do. But he's done everything right. He's got the money saved. He's got a support structure. He's moving to a place where there's more family, not right. less family. Which he's, is always a good way. He's got way degrees. To do he can do everything. Yeah. But that's it. That's all I've got time for uh, for this episode. Five by five TV slash quit slash eighty three. If you want to see some links about Coke. <laughs> I'm at Dan Benjamin on Twitter. Hattie is at Hattie Bird, H-A-D-D-I-E, Hattie Bird. And uh, I'm using a new hair gel. It's good. I don't know. I feel like it's poofy. 
and all over the place. It's a, new it's, as of today. No, like the last week. Well, it hasn't looked it's bad. All, it's looked good. It's all natural. I'm trying to use more natural products, less chemicals, but I feel like it's all over the place. Well, it doesn't look like that. So, like it's a like an afro. No, or ju- ju- jufro. A, ju- a jufro. Yeah, you don't have a jufro. Oh. But so I don't know. I, should I keep using it or should I switch back to the no, chemicals? No, I say keep using chemicals it. Chemicals work better, Hattie. I know. I know they do. <laughs> Isn't that dumb? They're like, oh, don't put too many products on your hair. I'm like, I will put 50 on <laughs> it. And if it looks good, that's what matters. I mean, they do. It works better. The chemicals are working better. I know. I yeah, hate and I that. Try, and I tried like a, like a, <laughs> this is a gel. I tried like a pomade that's all natural. And it was just, it was like I had put <laughs> vegetable oil in my hair. <laughs> which, which is not, not what I'm going for. No. Greasy. Maybe in high school, but not now. Hair. Yeah. It just, and like, and it didn't distribute evenly. And the lady in this, in the Whole Foods where I got it, Whole Foods where I got it, she's like, oh, that's my favorite. That's the best brand ever. They're, everything they do is amazing. And you're like, oh, like, really? All right, I'll pay $30 for a little two ounce tin of vegetable oil, apparently. But the, the gel seems better. I just, I feel like if I put too much on, then I look like Max Headroom. But if I yeah, don't put enough don't on, then much. I've I've got a Adam Sandler fro. But you say it's all right. I'm going to stick with that. You say thumbs up. I, yeah, I say stick with it. All right, well, next week we'll have an update on that. Thanks again to our sponsor, Olbus Natural <laughs> Inhaler, for making the show. But they did make the show possible. They made it possible because now I, I lost can count of my how right. many how many times you in, used your inhaler during well, the show. I use mine gingerly. Yeah, you've got to you've got to do. I don't. You're like. Put it in there. Yeah, you're gonna put it in. Plug block the other, the other note. Yes. No, I just. Yours is more like how someone would smell like, a rose, right? As opposed to how someone would resuscitate a human, right? It's not an EpiPen. <clears throat> just a light sniff. Mm. Just a little scent. All right. Anyway, thanks everybody, and uh, if you don't follow me on Twitter, and uh, you would like to ask questions for me to answer on the show or provide feedback. That's the way to do it. Follow me there. I'm at Dan Benjamin and uh, ask your questions. We'll get to them. In the meantime, keep the emails coming in. You can do that by going to 5by5.tv slash contact and choose from the list there. Choose quit. Type your email. Let me know if you want to answer it on the air. But keep them coming. I love getting those emails. I read them all and I really appreciate it. And of course, if those sponsors, Olbus, Inhaler, and Squarespace are not of interest to you, (laughs) Uh, you can support the show another way. You can go to patreon.com slash 5 by 5 And uh, you know what? Rent is due. So uh, please go to patreon.com slash 5 by 5 And don't donate $1 or a uh, dollar per episode or however much you think the show has been worth to you. Every little bit counts. Even a donation as small as a dollar a month makes a huge difference to us. It really, really does. And like I said, rent is due. So uh, patreon.com slash 5 by 5 Thanks very much. We'll see you next week.